Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. McDaniel will end it in style. Arkansas is in hog heaven. They've won the first ever national championship. Still missing your free throws, Wes? Who cares? No show free throws in Sports Center. Here's Washington. On the drive. I don't know if he'll make any change, but I figure it's time for me to start playing ball. And they do it in stunning fashion over the number two team in the country. Fact is, I missed this shot. I walk away. I'm still a chump. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Arkansas will be hosting a doubleheader that begins at 1 o'clock in the afternoon. So that's going to cut into uh, a little bit of the fun that Ty and I usually have. I know it might be nice for Ty because he finally gets out of the studio before, oh, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Of course, he'll get there to the studio in Fort Smith at about, what, 4 in the morning. Uh, but I'm going to have a long day. I don't mind. Get a couple of baseball games in with my man Bubba Carpenter. And hopefully there will be some more winning up Razorback Road at uh, Bud Walton Arena. Now, I'm doing the show today in the exact same booth that I did yesterday's show here uh, at the home of Arkansas baseball. And later on in the show, we're excited to have Isaiah Campbell, uh, who will be making a start tomorrow in the afternoon against Stony Brook. He'll be joining us in about 33 minutes. Bob Holt later on in hour number two. Uh, but in this first segment, we're, we're going to talk about a topic that has been discussed ad nauseum for the last couple of weeks. And really, you, you saw this coming head on at the start of the year. First of all, knowing that this is the 25th anniversary of the Arkansas National Championship basketball team from 1994, uh, knowing that they're going to bring everybody back, every single player back, all the coaches back as well, and Nolan Richardson will be there as well. Nolan does come to some games still, and he's been welcomed back into the good graces of Arkansas Athletics for a few years now, uh, but you, you saw this debate coming. I mean, it was right there. The writing was on the wall back in October when they announced that there would be a big celebration all throughout the year that would culminate on a Saturday afternoon at Bud Walton Arena against Ole Miss, and now we're up against it. It is right there in front of us, and the question is, it's funny, too, because the question should be, will Arkansas end the losing streak, which is frustratingly now at six games, and get back over 500. But the main question, as, as in, this, in, in this state, we do look backwards quite a bit. And I don't mean that in, in, in a negative way. We pay homage to, uh, to the best moments in Arkansas sports history, because when you look right at it, what is the greatest moment in Arkansas athletics history? It's the shot that Scotty Thurman hit, the championship over the Duke Blue Devils, and it's been a long, long time since Arkansas basketball has been at that level. And the man that is more responsible for that championship and for the excitement that was generated by Arkansas basketball over those years and has become a little bit of something that's hanging above the program right now uh, without the level of success nearly in 20 years or so since you even made it to the Sweet 16 we know the question, and I guess the answer is, is, is difficult for some people. It's not difficult for me. Do you name the court after Nolan Richardson, and do you do it on Saturday when everybody is there, when finally you, you don't just get a sellout ticket sold-wise, you actually get a sellout by the number of people that are there. You'll have all the players in attendance, uh, and, and the, the man that's responsible for it is going to be there. So do you name the court after Nolan Richardson, the most winningest coach in basketball history at Arkansas, Hall of Fame coach, uh, a guy that 
you know, set the tone for even the style of basketball that Arkansas is supposed to be playing these days with that 40 minutes of hell. I mean, you've got one of his longtime assistants as the head coach, Mike Anderson. Uh, you still are supposed to play that same style, although it just isn't as effective as it was when Nolan is the, was the head coach. So, Man, I mean, we we uh, we teased it yesterday, Ty, didn't we? We 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 did a little bit of a radio term. We said we'd talk about it, and, and so the moment is here. It's right upon us. It's, it's you know, it's it's just been. It's like when you're driving uh, cross country, and you know the Rocky Mountains are going to approach you sooner or later, and then finally, once you get there, you can't take your eyes off of it. But you've been ready for that moment for the last two days when you finally started the drive. The moment's upon us. The game is in a couple of days. We don't have much more of a show tomorrow since we're only going to be on the air for about 30 minutes until the baseball pregame show starts. So, I mean, that's the question. Do you name the court after Nolan Richardson? And for me, for me, it's, I mean, it's an easy answer. It's, it's a resounding yes. Uh, if you're able to, if you're able to look past, uh, the, the the bitterness that was felt between uh, the boosters and the board of trustees and many fans uh, because of the way that Nolan's firing went down and some of the things that he'd said and the suit that was filed and the angry bitterness that went back and forth. Uh, so, I mean, for me, it's a resounding yes because it, it seemed, you know, before Frank Broyles passed away, it seemed that he and Nolan had made their peace. But it, it, it's about more than Frank Broyles. It's about more than what fans think it, it's really about powers the people that have the money and the power inside not just the athletic department but the entire university system as a whole and, and it just still seems that some of them are holding on to some of that bitterness i guess we'll have our answer what i mean we'll have our answer probably in about 48 hours because tip off on saturday is at 12 o'clock you'd assume by then you know whether or not but Walton Arena will also have a Nolan Richardson court. So in this argument, I don't know if I can definitively sit on one side because I, it seems like I go back and forth on it every day. And I don't necessarily do that with every time that we talk about stuff. But in terms of this, I think it's it's really hard to say he deserves to have his name on the court or he doesn't because there's so many contributing factors. I mean, the fact is, Phil, in 2002, he sued the university for racial, for basically a racial, I'm not going to get into the intricate details, and that, like, picture it this way. Let's say you and I went on to have a really successful midday show for a long period of time. Where now you're talking fantasy. On the fantasy land. And eventually Jason Barrett named us the number one midday show amongst mid-major markets in the entire United States. And we made Tommy a bunch of money. Pierce broadcast a ton, ton of money. It was a really highly successful show for a number of years. And then later down the road, one of us has a falling out with Tommy. And then we sue Pearson Broadcasting. How do you think the company itself and Tommy and everyone else involved would react, even though we had a great run? How would they react to that? I know it's not the best example, but I was just thinking about that this morning. How would they react, even though we had imminent great success, how would they react to that? And that's basically essentially what's happening with this debate with Nolan Richardson. There is no question he is the best basketball coach ever to walk through these doors. And you but, could make a case that he might be the best coach overall. 
that's ever been here at Arkansas. Certainly in the three major sports, you can say, you know, about John McDonald and the track program and mm-hmm. all the national championships. But, hey, if you've won the only true undisputed national title on this campus in the three major sports, that's got to stand for something. I know 64 football won a national title, but so did two other teams that year as far as the number of polls that were, were, were cast back then. But, yeah, I mean, he's got, he's got that. He's got the, all the wins. Uh, he's got the heritage still that, that still exists in the program. Otherwise, why did you even go back and hire Mike Anderson if you're trying to distance yourself from the Nolan Richardson coaching tree? You brought yourself closer to it just making that, and making that decision. And here's my argument for it, Phil. If you're going to do it, why not do it Saturday? I don't I don't know the logistics how much and I don't even know if you would have time to what laminate not laminate's not the right word but have a, a a graphic on the court they probably don't have time to do it but why not say you know what if we're going to do it we might as well cuz Phil he's not getting any younger he's 77 years old you think about all his former his former team that's going to be down there you think about how they're t- wearing the throwback unis I mean if you're going to do it and I'm not arguing whether you should or not, but if you're going to, why would you not do it on Saturday before the game? That makes no sense to me if you're eventually going to do it, and unless there's really uh, someone or a couple people that you have to convince that maybe later down the road they might pass away and differences might be made, but why not do it if you're going to do it on Saturday? That doesn't make any sense to me. You get the sense that if they wanted to do it, it might have even been done by now. But you are correct. If you're ever going to put Nolan's name on the court, then Saturday is the best last chance to do it. Otherwise, I mean, what are you going to do? Celebrate a 26th year since the last national title next year and, and people's minds have been changed? You, you get the sense that the, those who have an opinion on this are, without question, their, their minds already made up. Uh, so I, I, you just, it's either going to happen Saturday or it's never going to happen. And Saturday is the best time for this to actually go down. And it just also feels like it's a big hump to get over. You know, to if you're going to consistently celebrate 1994, but still hold a grudge over, admittedly, a very bitter divorce and a very bitter lawsuit. You got to find a way to get past it. If we're going to be a people that are forgiving, you got to be forgiving all the way. And and look, I mean, the university and the athletic department already uh, a couple of years ago extended the olive branch. I mean, I, we've seen Nolan small step courtside. Yeah. We've seen him on the introduction video before Arkansas came out onto the floor for the for the lineups uh, a couple of years ago. The olive branch was extended, and it was received well from. Nolan Richardson. So, uh, I, boy, th- there's there's just layers upon layers of this. But the whole idea is this is the best coach you've ever had in this program and maybe ever on campus. I think it's got to be. Go ahead. Sorry. We always celebrate 1994. How I mean, we play those clips on our show. Uh, the university is 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 making money off of selling all of these memorabilia celebrating 1994. Uh, if you're going to go at it from that angle and consistently celebrate 1994, you got to celebrate the man who was most responsible for it, and you got to celebrate the man who was most responsible for putting Arkansas basketball on the map where it stayed for a very long time. But of course, it isn't there right now. 
I don't want to always be an athletic department that always is just looking backwards because you want championships to celebrate in the next year. Really, when you look at it, I want to celebrate a baseball championship. Would have liked to do that in June. Didn't happen. But you, you, I think you just, at some point you got to let bygones be bygones. People that were lovers that turn into enemies sooner or later. If you've extended that olive branch, things soften up a little bit, and and you can still celebrate what you meant to each other. I think it's time to put his name on the court. Hopefully it happens Saturday because you're right. If you don't do it Saturday, it's never going to happen. So there's a clip from his Hall of Fame introduction back in 2014 that I think we can draw from it today. Here's Nolan Richardson on, on a school that was named after him in El Paso, Texas, and kind of the reaction he got from his granddaughter. They named a school in El Paso after me called Nolan Richardson Middle School. This was 10 years ago or 12. And I never forget my granddaughter was a little girl. And when they told the story of who I was, she was there, she started crying. <laughs> I said, hey, Erica, be quiet. <laughs> be quiet. What's the matter? She said, Grandpa, you're going to die. <laughs> I'm going to die? Yeah. They only name things after people who's dead. <laughs> Naming the court in Bud Walton Arena after Nolan Richardson eventually passes away doesn't have the same effect as if you did it now or you did it in the next couple of years while he's still alive. I'm not trying to be morbid or anything, but he's 77 years old. We all know what happens when you get older and older. So it doesn't hold as much weight, Phil, if you wait on it until after he passes away to do it. That just Am I wrong to think that? No, I mean, maybe maybe you make the family feel better about it if if, if the the person that you're honoring is gone. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, look, like posthumous Hall of Fame inductions don't really mean very much to people that aren't alive anymore. Maybe it means something to the family, but if it's about the person that you're honoring, then it's got to happen while that person is alive. Yeah. Uh, and and I mean, look, the court in Syracuse, Jim Beheim Court, he's still coaching there. Coach K Court in Duke. It's the same thing there. I don't know if in uh, if in Columbia, Missouri, if Norm Stewart, I don't even remember if he's alive or not any longer, but the longtime Missouri coach, they named the court after him. Furthest he got in the NCAA tournament was the Elite Eight. Never got to the Final Four. Nolan got there three times, won a national title. It's a, it's about the bitterness. Of course it's about the bitterness, and how couldn't it be? The way that the divorce went down. But And if you've already extended an olive branch and made peace, then you've got to go the whole route. You can't just make peace at at 70 percent or 80 percent you go the whole way it's not about being bigger than the other it's about letting bygones be bygones celebrating what you meant to each other celebrating what that team meant to the entire state and what the program meant to the state then and and now's the time for everybody to be big about it if you still hold that grudge and and move forward and hopefully hopefully maybe that even takes the program forward a little bit because you've been stuck in neutral even even with Mike Anderson these last three or four years when you've been a tournament team, and obviously this year you don't look like a tournament team, but they've been stuck in neutral. And and maybe it's the sort of thing that, that just helps push the program a little bit forward because that's what this program needs right now. And, you know, you can talk about recruiting's a little bit different, uh, you know, maybe not recruiting the sort of athletes you need, uh, coaching this and that. The SEC's getting a lot tougher. Uh, but mentally, emotionally, there is the idea, I think, that 
putting his name on the court helps push the program a little bit further forward. And I'm not saying that's going to get you to a Final Four, the Sweet 16, but it's it's no longer in that in that sense living in the bitter past. It's it's an idea. Even though you're celebrating the past, you're going pat you're going forward from the things that divided you and, and trying to celebrate the things that matter most. And one point, actually two points, I want to bridge off that. Number one, the Associated Student Government at the University of Arkansas voted in favor of naming the court after Nolan, 41 to one. And the reason wow. I bring that up is because my generation doesn't know what transpired in curbs of the legal action that Nolan took against the university. They don't know about that. I had a buddy text me this morning asking me about the lawsuit. He's like, what lawsuit are you talking about? It's like, do you really not know that Nolan Richardson sued the University of Arkansas? That's He's not like, a generational no, gap thing? That is definitely a generational, generational gap. Generational gap. And it's just, it's funny because when people make the argument either for or against. And I'm not going to say that I know everything. I've read as much as I can on the matter. I've tried to talk to people who are older than me that are around the situation more. You can't go into this situation without knowing as much as you can. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I know everything about the matter, but I've done my best to do the research surrounding what transpired with Nolan Richardson at the University of Arkansas. And it's just, it's one of those things where I feel like some people just have an outlandish opinion, like either... Put the name on the court or don't put the name about on the court. And they don't really know anything about the matter, Bill. You have to – and this applies to anything in life. You have to be well-educated on the matter in order to have an opinion about something. Number two on that, we always joke about broadcasting jinxes, particularly broadcaster jinxes, how they don't exist. We, people say, well, Nolan Richardson curse. Arkansas hadn't been back to the Sweet 16 since 96, not in the top 25 Eight, excuse me, top 10 AP since 95. So people always joke about, oh, Nolan Richardson, it's going to be cursed until you put his name on the court. We were joking about some curses like the curse of Billy Goat, the Madden cursor and things like that. And then I've heard the argument, oh, don't, well, don't put the name on the court. Just give him a statue. You can't go hard, half-heartedly in this matter. You either go full out or you don't go at all. You either put his name on the court or you don't do anything. And it's... You just you, if you're gonna defend one side of the argument, you better know what you're talking about, and you better dig into what happened. You can't just say, "Oh, put his name on the court," but you don't know he sued the university, or you can't just say, "Oh, don't put his name on the court," but then you don't look at what he actually did for the Arkansas basketball program. This is not an easy answer. This is not one of those things where someone could just sit out in a day and say, "Oh, I think they should, the university should do this." You have to spend time on this. I, I'm sure Hunter Yurichek has been approached by the trustees, by a bunch of alumni, on telling him that he should do one thing or the other. And I'm sure he's had multiple conversations about this. This is not just an easy run-of-the-mill, hey, we're going to do this. It's going to take some time, Phil. And it's a difficult topic, really, to, to broach with some people. Uh, more difficult than even... Isn't it funny the topic that everybody's talking about is about who if you put Nolan's name on the court? To me, it just seems like cut and dry. And instead of, does Arkansas have a shot to... Rebound against Ole Miss, a team that ran them off the court at the Pavilion last month. A team that was up seven nothing and eleven and two in the first, and Arkansas never led in that ball game and really looked bad. I mean, Ole Miss shot so well, and uh, that's not the conversation that most people are having. Where Arkansas right now is in desperate need of a win. Ole Miss is an angry team after things went down the way they did yep. yesterday against Tennessee. I mean, they're angry. I mean, the fans are even angry. They were throwing garbage on the floor. Way to go, Ole Miss fans! Um, I don't. 
I would say this. I've never seen fans in a game that I've called resort to throwing trash on the court. So that's how angry they are. So I think we'll have a pretty good basketball game. But, uh, I mean, I also think, why would you be inviting Nolan here if he is not, if you're not putting his name on the court? Because in that sense, it just seems like it would be a little embarrassing to him uh, than anything else. Uh, I mean, you are celebrating an accomplishment that he had such a hand in and celebrating the entire team. But why at this point would you invite him back? for this big celebration, make a big deal about the celebration, and not put his name on the court. But I'll tell you what, I want to be there when it happens. Or if it doesn't happen, 12 o'clock is the, is the tip-off. I'll be flying out from Drake with the women's basketball team at a quarter after five. You bet your bottom dollar. I want to be there with the 20,000 people, including you, I think, too, Ty, uh, so that we can uh, get a look and see if this is actually going to happen because I think it will be a moment that will live a long time in Arkansas basketball history. Let's close on this. If you are judging Nolan Richardson solely by his basketball accolades, six Sweet 16s, four Elite 8s, three Final Fours, two national title game appearances, one national title, College Basketball Hall of Fame, and the National Basketball Hall of Fame. If you're judging him solely on that, you put his name on the court. You're listening to the Halftime Podcast. Follow the guys on Twitter at Phil Elson PXP and at Ty Sports Radio. Beard ahead to Gaffers. How about a windmill? Let's put a little exclamation point on it. The Hogs are moving on. This is the Isaiah Campbell that if he comes back as a junior, you want to see this Isaiah Campbell next year. They rise for Isaiah Campbell at TD Ameritrade. Nice open there, Ty, especially with the Barry White. I know you planned this for Isaiah Campbell, who's sitting here in the booth with me at Baumwalker Stadium. Uh, Zay, let me bring you back to that moment before we talk about what else is going on. You remember that game? That's the Florida game that got Arkansas into the College World Series Finals. Um, that You were terrific in that game. But, I mean, walking off the field with about 20,000 Arkansas fans standing up cheering you, and you knew at that point you'd given Arkansas all you possibly could. What did that feel like, heading back into the dugout with that standing ovation? Yeah, it felt awesome getting a standing ovation uh, in Omaha in a big game where if we win, we go to the Caldwell Series Finals. Um, and also just a testament to our fans um, that they showed out. They showed out so much in Omaha. Um coming to every game and packing 20,000 strong Razorback Red in there. Um, but just knowing I gave everything I got for five and I think two-thirds innings in Omaha, um, it was special, and I still have, like, dreams and relive that moment every once in a while. I, st- I still relive that moment as well and really relive the entire experience of, of being there for as long as the team was. and. You know, regardless of, 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 of how it finished out, it was just an amazing run by the team, and it's something that I know the team takes pride in. Before we talk any further, I just want to remind everybody, this is a baseball segment brought to you by Supercuts. Uh, they will bring you baseball spotlight every Friday, but since we might not have a show tomorrow because we got the double header, uh, we're doing that. Uh, we're doing that today. Felt like we were taking up residence in that city. I mean, we're there for 16 days. Yeah, um, being in Omaha for a long time, you kind of just got used to the city, um, the surroundings and stuff, but. Um, the team that was there last year, we talked about it a little bit, but not much because it's a new team this year, a lot of new faces. Mm-hmm. Um, we're really young this year, not a not a bu- bunch of experience coming back. Um, but um, it's always nice just having some time to rethink about Omaha every once in a while. So, like you mentioned, there are so many newcomers on this team, specifically pitchers, even guys that are coming back that really didn't get an opportunity to show what they can do last <laughs> season. 
Where do you feel? Now, we know where your role is. You're the Friday starter. But in the clubhouse, what sort of a role have you undertaken with this team in your fourth year of the program? Yeah, just kind of being a leader because um, I have me and Matt Cronin, are the two most experienced pitchers on this team um, that came back from last year's team. Um, but for me, it's just being a leader to the younger guys and some of the older guys who just haven't had that chance. Um because last year I was very inconsistent sometimes, um, and I just told them, you guys just need to be confident in everything you do and go out and what you do in bullpens and in scrimmages, and you guys will be really good, and you'll help this team a lot. Isaiah Campbell's our guest here on Supercuts Baseball Spotlight. Uh, Isaiah, I go back to, like, you had to go through some injuries early on in your career. Just getting to play behind Blaine Knight, being the number one guy, what did you learn from him now being the number one guy in the rotation? Yeah, I mean, Blaine Knight, he was amazing for us last year. He was, I mean, he went 14-0. Um, that's unheard of in college baseball. Honestly, even in pros, if you're 14-0, that's unheard of. Um, but just what I learned from Blaine is just be confident and have conviction in everything you do. Um, don't back down from anybody because there's no, nothing too big for you. Um, and that's what he did. Um, he had games where he didn't have his best stuff, but he just went out there and competed and gave us six innings. And just seeing what he did last year, I know I have to do that, too, to give this team six innings on every Friday or Thursday night to get us going and get us propelled for the weekend. What's the biggest difference between Matt Hobbs and Wes Johnson as your pitching coaches? There's not much of a difference there. Um, They're both very analytical. Um, So for us, it was an easy transition from Coach Johnson to Coach Hobbs. Um, I think just Coach Hobbs, I always say, is just a younger version of Coach Johnson. Um, the only difference that I see between them is they're a little, we do a little bit more uh, pre-movement stretches and a little different post-throw. But, I mean, weighted balls are still there, video, uh, track man, flight scope, all that stuff is still there. So it's uh, been a pretty easy transition. I mean, he also is good. Coach Hops looks like he may be a little bit laid back than Wes. I don't know if I've ever seen anybody that had quite the energy that Wes Johnson has. And I've even read amongst the Minnesota uh, media that they, they've caught on to, to that sort of energy with him with the Twins. What was he like as a, as a coach energy-wise that maybe contrasts against against Matt Hobbs? Yeah, Coach Johnson could bring his own energy to a dugout. Um, if we were like... If we didn't have a lot of energy in a dugout, um, he would get us going. Um, he'd he always bring energy be, to a cemetery. Yeah, he'd be yelling in the dugout, just trying to get us pumped up, ready for anything to go on. Um, and that's how he was in our workouts, too. He was he was on you. He wanted the best out of you. And uh, if he needed to get on you for doing something that he didn't think you were doing right, he would get on you for that. Um, and I guess that's a little different from Hobbs. He, he's more laid back, but I think it's just more, maybe more of a – it's his first year here. He's trying to just get into the program, and uh, he knows that – we have the stuff this year the, to make Omaha again, and he's just going with it and knows that what the staff's about, and he's just trying to help us as best as he can. Let me ask you about what, you've, uh, what you're working with this year. Uh, have you added anything to the repertoire? Is there certain, any, any pitch specifically that you've been working on that you'd like to add at some point this year? Um, I've added a splitter um, that take, took place in my changeup. Um, it's just a harder off-speed changeup type pitch. To, um, that will help me get more swing and misses or weak contact off my fastball. Um, and just one thing that I need to keep working on throughout the years, um, just keep fine-tuning my cutter. It's my go-to pitch off-speed-wise. Um, it's been a little inconsistent beginning of the first two outings, um, so I just need to get that more consistent going on in SEC play. What about working with men on base? I mean, there was a pretty big discrepancy between working out of the windup or working with men on base. And how specifically can you work on 
uh, on mechanics when you're working out of the set position? Because you know that probably as you pitch throughout your life, pro ball and further, you probably work out of the set position more than you do from the windup. So how exactly do you do you work with that and try to better yourself with men on base? Yeah, that was a problem I had last year. Um, I got very inconsistent out of the stretch compared to the windup. Out of the windup, I felt just loose and easy. And out of the stretch, I kind of felt fighting my uh, rotation, my movements through my windup or my delivery. Um, so for me, just through the fall, through the spring, I threw a lot of bullpens out of the stretch, stretch only, just getting better feel, finding what works for me, um, the set position that feels right for me where I'm not feeling too tense, um, I'm still loose. And so it just came off a lot of repetition, a lot of repetition. Um, and even if I'm not throwing a bullpen, I'll get on the mound and just I'll do some dry, dry throws, um, just getting through my motion, just feeling loose and feeling what I need to do in a game. And it's helped a lot this year. Um, Still throwing strikes and still keeping the velocity in the stretches, the windup. Isaiah Campbell's our guest on this Thursday edition of Halftime. Baseball Spotlights presented by Supercuts. Isaiah, I got to know, when did the nickname Zay Day come about? Uh, it came about last year. I honestly cannot tell you when it came about. Um, it just kind I saw it on Instagram, I think, before the uh, San Diego State game out in uh, San Diego last year. And it just kind of stuck. Um, I mean, it's a kind of a unique name to myself um i have a bunch of different nicknames on this team but i really like zayda and it just plays well for me what are they, give me another nickname and one that's uh that's okay for air <laughs> uh uh coach johnson always called me the professor um for my oakley glasses that i wear on the mound um he always told me uh i'm about to take some kids to the uh to school and teach them a lesson um so that was one that i always go back to but those are two main ones that i have here um and then i just have other ones that like from friends back home and stuff like that so, man, I know you're from the Kansas City area. I saw you at Z earlier this season. I saw you were sporting a Patrick Mahomes jersey during the playoffs. And I text Phil. I was like, Isaiah sporting a KC jersey. And he's like, oh, he's from there. How happy were you to see him win the MVP in the NFL this year? Oh, I was excited. Um, growing up in Kansas City, um, we've had a lot of struggles with the pro teams. Um, the Royals have a World Series, but, I mean, they've been so up and down and Football, we always have a good team, but we can never make it far in the playoffs. Um, but having that franchise quarterback now, it's amazing. Um, he brings new life and new energy to this city um, that we haven't had in a while. Um, and I'm just ready to see what he does for the next couple of years as a franchise quarterback. Uh, I forget the round you were drafted in last year by the Angels, I think 24th. Did you seriously give thought to, to signing a pro contract? Did you kind of know you were gonna you were going to come back to Arkansas no matter what? Um, yeah, so uh, me and my family... Um, we had a number that we were set on. Um, I knew I had another year of uh, leeway with the pro team, so I had a number I was set on, and if it didn't get reached, I wasn't going to take anything less because I knew my value, I knew my worth. Um, and the Angels kind of threw out all the money they had left at me, um, but it still wasn't enough. So, I mean, I kind of knew after, like, the draft and where I got drafted I was going to come back to school. Um, kind of sat down with Van Horn, and we just had a nice little discussion about coming back to school and stuff like that. Um, so I knew probably before a lot of people knew, like through the media and stuff, that I was coming back to school. Sure, it had nothing to do with not wanting to ride the buses yet. We have it pretty good at Arkansas with the travel. I mean, we're on a we're on charter flights. You play in really great ballparks. You got great coaching. There's a lot that that a collegiate program like Arkansas or a lot of the programs in the SEC have that you just don't ever get in minor league baseball. Yeah, we're spoiled here. Um, getting fly charter jets, um, having food right after right after games, um, just getting money on the road and stuff. We are absolutely spoiled here. Getting played in one of the best 
probably the best ballpark in the country in front of the best fans in the country. Um, and you don't get that in the minor leagues, but that's just part of the process in the minor leagues is those 14-hour bus trips where you're playing in front of 200, 300 fans. Um, I mean, I've talked to a couple guys who were in my class last year, and they're like, I mean, it's a struggle. It's tough to do it every day. It's, it's and a grind. Get out there and want to compete to your best ability, but if you want to make it to the pros, you have to do it. And so, I mean, if I went last year, I'd have been ready for it. I knew, I know it would suck, but you have to do it to get to the pros. Isaiah, heading into game three of last year, I know you guys had come off a heartbreaking loss. What was the mindset in the locker room before playing that final game? Yeah, on the bus, you could tell we were ready to go. Um, kind of the night bef- the night after that game. Um, so we played game two, and that night it was kind of a different mindset. I mean, you could t- tell people were sad. I mean, we were one out away, one pitch away from winning a college world series and being the first national championship to uh, Arkansas in baseball. Um, but we all got rid of that in our mindset, and the next day we got on the bus. You could tell uh, everyone was ready to go, um, but you had to give kudos to Oregon State and the pitcher. He just had the game of his life and just shut us down. I mean, it's tough to shut that, that hitting lineup down like he did last year, and he did it, and all props to Oregon State for game three, and uh, they just outplayed us. How much a resurgence do you think brought with the baseball program you getting to the college world series last year and you guys basically being one out one pitch away from winning the whole thing and i mean look if you look at it this way like it, the ba- the baseball team as a whole here at arkansas already had a devout fan base but now it seems like it's only increasing have you felt that as a player in this season yeah i mean you can even in Omaha, you could see it. I mean, we're packing in 20,000 fans out of what I think Omaha fits 24,000 fans. So there's 4,000 more fans out there that weren't Arkansas fans. It was Bomb Stadium North. Yeah, it was incredible. Um, and that's just kind of kept going in this year. I mean, we had our fall game against Wichita State. We had, I think, 5,600 fans here. That's unheard of Amazing. for a fall game. Um, and it's just kept coming on through the season. And I've heard uh, from a couple people that, there's not many tickets um, left for some of the SEC series already and stuff like that. So you can tell that's definitely um, moved on to this year. And even on campus, there's students coming up and saying, like, how proud they are of us. And they're ready for this year and see what we can do this year again. So let me talk briefly about this team before we let you go because we only got a, you know about a minute or so left. The speed on this team is just crazy. I mean, I called my first game yesterday, five for five stealing bases. I almost feel like he could, could have stolen ten bases if Dave Van Horn really wanted to. Uh, that is going to help out every hitter with the sort of speed you have out there. Isn't, don't these two things work together? Yeah, um, it's amazing how, how much speed we have this year. Um, last year we were more of a home run hitting team. Everyone knew that. We hit a lot of home runs last year. Um, but this year we know we're a different type of team where – we're still going to hit home runs, but we're going to score a lot of runs by doing the little things, hit and runs, sack bunts, bunt for hits, getting people over, stealing bases, and that's what we're doing this year. Does I mean, the speed get into a pitcher's mind? Like, put yourself on the mound with Casey Martin at first base. What does that do for your focus against the hitter you're facing? Yeah, for some of these pitchers, it definitely gets in their mind. Uh, when you have Casey Marr and Trevor Zell, I mean, just speed guys, they definitely are going to be trying to qu- try to be quicker to the plate where they're going to be a little more inconsistent. Um might throw more balls, might be in the dirt, um, and then they might leave that pitch over the middle of the plate where Heston or Fletcher or guys in the bottom of the lineup, they kill it, hit a double, hit a home run. Um, so it makes a different dimension to the team, that ha- the guy on the mound, and he has th- two different things to focus on now.
Subscribe to Hit That Line on iTunes. You're listening to the Halftime Pod. Blood running through Daryl Macon's veins. The Razorbacks win it 71 to 70. Uh, also looking forward to what we usually do on a Thursday on halftime, which is have uh, me and Ty teach each other a little bit about uh, the generations that we are coming from, and it is halftime homework. Oh, I'm in. I don't trust this kid any further than I can throw him. I got a question. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? Get out of my class. Out, get out. I was still thinking of going back to school. I do my homework now. The millennial versus the middle-aged. It's time for halftime homework. So let's see, what did I, didn't I assign you when Harry met Sally? But I did that without knowing that, I mean, I guess in this day and age, we kind of feel like everything is available in one of the streaming services, but it isn't always available, and then you got to fork over some money, uh, and you can't even rent the darn thing for, you know, three or four dollars. Uh, what did, what was it going to cost to try to download a copy of When Harry Met Sally? Eleven bucks, Phil. Eleven dollars. And I was so bummed, because... I started, typically I watch my homework assignments on Wednesday night, but I was like, I'm going to start it early. I'm going to watch it before the Arkansas-Kentucky game. So I search on my TV when Harry met Sally. It pops up. I'm like, all right, rent option, rent option. Where is it? Buy 11 or 10.99. And I was just like, where's the rent option? Why can't I rent this? So check Netflix, Hulu, all the major movie services that I have. Didn't have it. And so I text you. He's like, can I watch Pretty Woman as my homework assignment you said yeah that's fine well yeah because i mean it is uh it's a great rom-com from the 1980s uh it's entertaining it's got uh, it's got uh, actors that uh, i think are still relevant today so oh, yeah what'd you think of pretty woman i thought it was great this had to be my favorite part hi hello do you remember me no i'm sorry i was in here yesterday you wouldn't wait on me oh you work on commission right uh yes big mistake big huge I have to go shopping now. So basically, for those of, that haven't seen the movie, Julia Roberts plays the character's name that I'm now forgetting at the moment. What's her I, name? I can't again? remember her name either. I just watched. I just finished this. That's where this movie catapulted her into. I mean, a universe that I don't think anybody was at that time. It, it just it just got her all the way to. She was a, she was well known before that movie. I remember watching her in Mystic Pizza, which is a Ooh, movie that you may want to see. That's have on you my, seen it? That's on my list. I heard Dan Patrick the other day talking about it. I have not seen it yet, but I do I do want to see it. But of course, so, there were Steel Magnolias too. But Pretty Woman just shot her to the moon. Okay, so basically what happens is she's not necessarily dressed adequately. She is kind of dressed in her, her hooker clothes or whatever. It's Vivian. That's her name. And she's kind of dressed. I, I'm not going to say that word. She's not dressed up in accordance to Beverly Hills type of attire. And so she walks in. The lady's like, you need to leave. She comes back the next day a lot more dressed up because Richard Gere, who is Edward Lewis, is the, the character he plays, gives her money to go buy clothes. And she basically says, ah, you could have gotten all this commission, but tough break. So, it was. I loved it. I thought it was. I thought it was pretty solid. And it's got a little bit of a uh, what is it? A Cinderella feel to it. A little um, bit. A little bit. I'd like to see a movie that was. It's kind of done the other way around. You know, the idea of uh, of uh, of the the woman saving the man instead of. Uh, and that's that. That might be a movie that would be made these days. I don't know if it'd be made in the late eighties. Uh, things were a little bit different then. All right. So, I do think I might have a copy of When Harry Met Sally somewhere in my place. Find it. 
So I gotta get that to you because you you gotta get the movie. I also assigned the B fifty twos to you, Um, and and look, I knew I I assigned that to you knowing uh, that it's it's really a taste thing. It's it's not the best music. It's just it's just fun music. And of course, this is the song everybody knows. You know this song. You like this song, right? Yeah. This is the. I'm not gonna lie. So I wasn't a fan of Rock Lobster. There aren't a lot of people that are. Rome's good. Rome's not bad. But there's really not a lot of other songs that stood out to me. But this is rock solid. That's why I made it a rejoin instrumentally. So I like this song. It brings back a lot of memories. Brings back memories. Bar mitzvah dances, wedding dances, prom, semi-form. They're still playing these at celebrations now. And this was also around the time. Hey, this this song came out, and then two, I think, a year or two later, Shaquille O'Neal is playing for LSU, and he just every time that he was on TV, you would hear you'd hear Love Shack. So uh, I'm glad I'm glad you like it. But you know, Rock Rock Lobster is some of the stuff that the B52s did in the late '70s, early '80s. Um, you could use the term eclectic, or maybe even just call it weird. Because Rock Lobster is a very weird song. The whole album that came from also is about as weird as it gets, but still can be a lot of fun. Um, what else? What else did I assign? So you assigned me to try a Bartles and James wine cooler, which I haven't had yet, but I know they still sell them. And it kind of reminded me, I was like, why does this look so familiar? And by the way, I want to try the grapefruit and watermelon one. Those are the two that stood out to me the most. So these are still around. I don't see commercials for them any longer, but they are still around, based right? Based on the website and based on the, the packaging, it act like it could, yes. So have you heard of White Claws and Truly? You know no, what? I have no idea what that is. So it's like a hard seltzer, sparkling water. It is spiked, but it just kind of reminded me like that. It's what the girls basically drink these days. It's like my my age group, girl. a lot of girls really partake in these drinks, so... I think I need to try this Bartles and James wine cooler, and you need to try either a Truly or a White Claw. And then tell me how, how much it tastes, if they taste the same at all, because I have a feeling they might taste a lot alike for some reason. You also told me you wanted, I'm supposed to try Natterdays, which yeah. is this strawberry lemonade beer sort of concoction, but they're not available right now, so I can't. I mean, maybe I could go get myself a natural light, pour a little lemonade, and squeeze a strawberry in don't it. Do I don't that. know if that, that wouldn't be the same, would it? No, it wouldn't be the same. So I texted my buddy over at Bell Point Beverages, Tim, and I said, hey, man, when are the, like, natter days getting into town? He's like, as soon as, as soon as we get them, I'll let you know. But I've called a couple different places, not only here, but in Dallas. I haven't called St. Louis yet. I might go there for Mardi Gras this weekend. But it seems like that natural light is pumping this out but they're not getting it out which is kind of limited release it just makes it it makes it cooler it makes it it makes it much cooler with the limited release idea better get this thing out before spring arrives and temperatures warm up because i know your main plan is to uh lug a bunch of that stuff into the hog pen during an arkansas baseball game 100 percent. so the games in the sec play will start at what five or six phil Six, right? Well, every Friday game will be at 6 o'clock or maybe 7 o'clock, depending on, on if the game is televised. You might have a night game on a Saturday. Most of those are day games. And then every Sunday every Sunday will be a day game. So what I'm thinking is I usually get off about 3, I run up to Fayetteville in my car, and just get the cooler, get the natter days, and just sit in the eye. And this is, you have to think about it. It's going to be a little chilly off the bat in March, but basically once April hits, it'll start warming up and it'll, it'll be perfect. So I'm I'm really excited about that. So what did you think of 
he's just not into you. I know, I, you might have watched it this morning, correct? I, well, I watched as much as I could this morning. I, I planned on watching it last night, but t- I was just so exhausted after our show and after the, the game. And I went over to Hugo's and got myself something to eat and had a phone conversation for a bit. So by the time I was ready to put the thing on, I was really just ready to go to sleep. So I did put it on this morning and, and watched. Look, I mean, this is a homework thing, right? Yeah. And this was the same thing I did in school, I'm a procrastinator, man, and 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 I'm intelligent, but I would never say I was the best student in the world. So I didn't finish all of my homework. So you can don't flunk me, but you can give me a C minus. Wait, here's what I thought of what I did see. First of all, it's all about the cast more than anything. It's not about the story. It's about the ensemble cast. I mean, and I didn't even realize. Now I think you assigned this to me because you got the crush on on Bradley Cooper. And and this is a younger Bradley Cooper. This movie came out in 2009, so it's 10 years ago. And of course, you went you went on quite a bit about Cooper's singing ability yeah, at Bubba the Oscars the other ma- day. Bubba said I have a man crush on him. Not gonna yeah, deny, I'm not going to sit I, here and deny that. But I don't blame I don't blame you for it. I don't blame you for it. He is a supremely talented uh, uh, artist, no doubt. Um, and and you know, just look at some of the actors in this. I mean, Scarlett Johansson, Bradley Cooper, uh, Justin Long, Ben Affleck, Jennifer Aniston. The Affleck Aniston relationship is an interesting one, and this is as part of the things of some relationships that just have been going on for for centuries now. Is the man who just won't uh, succumb to marriage uh, because he doesn't believe in it. And I mean, I think there are, there are some women that don't believe in marriage too. So I mean, this thing goes both ways. Um, another thing about this is the the idea of do people really wait by the telephone anymore? I mean, that's I don't think that's how dating is done any longer because it's all based upon text messages, at least at the first, and and on like social media and, and stuff like that. Uh, I did. There was a point in the movie where I think it was Jennifer Goodwin said he MySpaced me. So I mean, that tells you how old the movie is because nobody's on MySpace anymore. I don't even think the thing is around. Um, so I, I found I found that interesting too. But there is a truth to the to the thought of of one of the one of the the phrases that I heard. And if a guy wants to see you, he will see you. And again, I think that works both ways. It's not just a matter of of uh, a woman being desperate for a man. Maybe men that are just as desperate and are waiting by the phone for a text message or a tweet or a Facebook message, or and this is something that I've, I, I know a couple of the friends of mine that are in the dating world have said, that you know when they're frustrated about the person that they're interested in, they get on Facebook, and if they, you know the green dot, the green dot on Facebook, which is supposed to tell you whether or not the person is on Facebook at that moment. Yeah, chat. And so the next thing you know, you know, you post something to try to get their attention and, and pray for a like or a heart or a <laughs> smile or a laugh. Um, so, I mean, this this was a window, I guess, into what dating was about about 10 years ago. Um, I guess it's a little bit about what it's what it's about nowadays, too. All right. So you kind of glossed over the Hugo's bit. What happened last night at Hugo's that you got to eat a little more than you thought you were going to? Well, I didn't eat the guy's food because I just was stuffed at that point. But I sat at the bar. I went there by myself. And Hugo's is, is my place in Fayetteville. It always has been. I love Hugo's. So I sat at the bar, ordered a bacon blue burger. Uh, I, I go for the burgers and the French fries, which were a little bit soggy yesterday. And you know, Hugo's is not known for the soggy fries. They're known for fries that uh, have a little backbone. 
As the waitress said, these usually have backbones, she said. I said, yeah, they usually do. These ones are soggy. So then a guy sits down next to me to my right, and he looked hungry. You know that look in somebody's face where they just looked, uh, they look uh, more than peckish. They it's, look starving. It's what you're looking at every single day when you see my face on the other side of the, the iPhone, you're, basically. You're, all, you're always hungry. That's, that's yeah. true. Uh, so he sits down, and he orders uh, a beer. I don't remember what it was. And uh, the fish tacos. And the beer, of course, comes first. And he said, "I don't say anything to him. I mean, I'm not, I'm not into at that moment opening up a conversation with a with a stranger." Yeah. Uh, the beer arrives. He takes a sip of it, and then he walks away. I don't pay attention to where he went, um, but he walks away. Ten minutes later, the food arrives. He's still not there. Ten minutes later, the food is still there. Dude isn't anywhere around. And the uh, the manager of, of Hugo's comes and says, did you see where this guy went? I said, I have no idea. So he, he walks over, sees the bathrooms are not locked. He goes up the stairs and looks outside and sees maybe if he's having a conversation out there. He's not there. The guy just bolted. It's not that he ate and didn't pay and then left. He ordered, took a sip, and then bolted and, and was gone. And, I mean, if I would have known that that was his plan, I wouldn't have ordered any food for myself because, let's be honest here, what self-respecting member of the media isn't ready for a free meal? But at that point, I'd already you know, been halfway through the burger. By the time I realized he wasn't coming back, I'd already eaten everything I had ordered. So I, I wasn't going to stuff myself with, uh, with fish tacos. And I wasn't going to say, let me put those in the, in the refrigerator because day-old fish tacos isn't anything I'm interested in eating. I'm a little ashamed to be your co-host right now. You passed up free food. Did you at least ask the bartender if you could eat it? Or did he offer it to you? I didn't. Um, I guess I could have, but I just I I wasn't I wasn't interested. I could have asked if I was still hungry, then I I probably would have asked for it. And but then maybe they would have made me pay for it, and I didn't want to pay no, for two. No, meals. you don't do that. You don't do that. Uh, yeah, that's right. All right. So here's what I got for you. Um, I need you to listen to a little Pat Benatar. You know who she is? No. She's Pat Benatar is as badass of a rock star from the early 80s as there ever was. I mean, this is Love is a Battlefield. This is one of the great anthems of the early 1980s. She wrote all of her songs with her husband. They are an amazing tandem. I saw them live uh, at the, the arena with no teams in Little Rock uh, a few years ago. And she's just incredible. What an artist. What a performer. Uh, still puts a lot of energy into it. And just wrote some of the greatest songs uh, of that time, which also includes, maybe you've heard this one, because it's kind of a sports anthem, too. This one's called Hit Me With Your Best yeah, Shot. I know this. Pat Benatar was a badass. And still is. She just still is. Don't mess with Pat Benatar. And she was so popular, so popular that it came to one of the great high school movies of the 1980s. Is something you've got to watch, too. And this scene from Fast Times at Ridgemont High tells you just how popular she was. Linda, that girl looks just like Pat Benatar. I know. Wait, there are three girls here at Ridgemont who are cultivating the Pat Benatar look. Janelle Assembler, Mary Ann's lot, and the red tights. 
Do you think guys find that more attractive? Oh, Stacy, please, give me a break. You are so much prettier than them. Yeah, I mean, so have you, have you seen Fast Times? Because it's such a great movie. Oh, I'm sorry, but I have. You've seen that one? Yeah. All right, so I guess I have to assign you a different movie. Let me think about this. for. Oh, I got one. I got one. It's called Just One of the Guys. It's a... Uh, it's uh, it's like the the uh, the girl goes undercover. She's a journalism student and goes undercover at a high school to, if I remember correctly, report back on what it's like to be a guy in high school. I might be missing a little bit of a part of it, but it's it's uh, you know it's like a gender bending comedy, uh, a coming of age uh, a coming of age story, and it's got a, it's got a scene that. Um, I had to switch a couple of the words out in this, but this gives you an idea. This is when, and I forget her character's name, but she's talking with her brother, and he is trying to coach her on how to look like a guy. Very crucial. Something every guy does. Let me see you scratch your song. You can understand Come what Come on, try it. Wait a minute. Watch the master. Now first, there's your basic shift. But that's not always enough. Sometimes you gotta get inside, dig a little, let some air in, move things around. Yeah, well, maybe my paw don't itch. All paw itch, it's a fact. Is it? I don't know. Maybe I guess you didn't shower enough. So, yeah, you gotta see just one of the guys. I think that would be one that, uh, that I think you'll enjoy. I think it's, a, it's an entertaining flick, uh, and, uh, and it goes a little bit along with, you know, being undercover in high school, uh, just like Fast Times at, uh, at Ridgemont High. So I, I wonder what it is that you want, you, that, that you're going to sign me. And I got I guess I got to figure out that I'm going to actually, uh, do my halftime homework on time, uh, rather than be a, a procrastinator, which unfortunately is in my nature. Which I guess the proof would be, I still, uh, I'm, I, when this show is done, I'm going to be getting ready for a, uh, for a basketball game that I haven't quite got my uh, my score sheets ready for, Arkansas Missouri later on tonight. Um, we got a phone caller there. Uh yes, he just needs some information. So you ready for your homework? Yeah. What are you going to sign me? Okay. So your your daughter Phil is probably a huge fan of what the news that just broke. Do you hear the Jonas Brothers are getting back together? I did not. Okay. Well, they are getting back together. I like the Jonas Brothers. Do you actually? I think they make they make some uh, they make some, some some pretty good music. Some rad tunes, bro. Well, what's uh, what's the name of the the group that the one that the one put together that they do some really good dance songs? Uh, Cake by the Ocean. There's the one called Cake by the Ocean. I think that with uh, Cake by the uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know the band. It's though. by DNCE, okay. which I guess would be pronounced dance. Isn't uh, aren't one of the aren't one of the Jonas Brothers in that group? So I know Joe. I think has done songs with them, but. I don't think he's 100 percent. Yeah, yeah, there it is. is Joe Jonas. Okay. Joe Jonas. Never mind then. Yeah, Shows what so I know. I mean, so I can. I, they know that. But I, I'll uh, I'll listen to a little bit of the Jones, Jonas Brothers together when they were actually a band together. Okay, so you know, like Burn It Up, SOS, and stuff like that. So your assignment for music wise, Phil, is to listen to some old Jonas Brothers songs with Sadie and report back to me. And another thing you need to watch, and this is for both your son and your daughters. You can watch this with them. There's nothing nothing bad in this movie. They could definitely watch it at their age. Max Keeble's Big Move. Just recently put on HBO. It's really good. It's got a very young Josh Peck, and I honestly don't know any other the actresses or actors because it was like a Disney school middle movie. But that's a that's a lighthearted film you could watch 
with your two kids that I think they'd really enjoy. All right, that's good. Uh, it's a good assignment. All right, so you will watch. Uh, you're going to watch. It's uh, just one of the guys and listen to some Pat Benatar. Just one of the guys and Pat did. You know what that sounds like, Phil? Have you seen Never Been Kissed with Drew Barrymore? Yes, kind of, it, it does sound. That's right. A little bit like, and she's the man kind of. It's like a combination of both of those. So that's it what is. The, but you, this one came out first. Okay. So I got this like one down. Were, it's like they were copycatting. All right. Good, good homework stuff. Like the Halftime Pod? Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast at hitthatline.com.